Before Pastor Ava comes this morning, we're going to read our text, which is James 4, 11 to 17. We're going to be reading from the International Standard Version. That is James chapter 4, verse 11 through to 17. You may follow on the screen. And it reads, do not criticize each other, brothers. Whoever makes it his habit to criticize his brother or to judge his brother is judging the law and condemning the law. But if you condemn the law, you are not a practice of the law, but it's judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge the one who can save and destroy. So who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is the word of the Lord. We bless his name for this is word of truth. Amen and amen. This morning, Pastor Ava will once again be coming to us to continue this very powerful and remarkable teaching from the book of James. This teaching that continues to awe us and I hope that it is propelling us, pushing us in the right direction to go not just higher, but deeper in our walk with Christ. Mm. And as we go into this word this morning, I pray that our attention will be wrapped. It will be fixed and focused on what it is that the Lord has given to Pastor Ava to say to us this morning. Mm. So, Pastor Ava, I release you even now to preach the word of the Lord, undiluted, no water down, no adding, no taking away from it. May the Lord even now touch your tongue with cloven tongues of fire. Preach, Pastor Eva, as the Lord gives you utterance. Thank you, Tashina, so much. Good morning, everyone. Again, let me extend welcome to New Life Horizon Church. It, it is always a privilege that Tashina would always mention you could have been somewhere else this morning, but you chose to be with us and we want to say thank you for joining us 
as we worship the Lord together. This week in the United States of America, actually on, on Thursday of last week, we celebrated what we consider Thanksgiving. And for some of us, we, 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 we were with family members that we, and, and we were given an opportunity to give thanks. For some of us, we had to work. For some of us, the, the, the situation was different. But this morning, I want us at NLH just to stop and to think about something in your life that you want to give thanks for. I watched a clipping from Fancy Cat um, on, I think on Instagram. And he, he shares a young woman who came and told him, very excited, my mother is off the oxygen. She's no longer needing the oxygen to breathe. And she said, she's, no, she, she's breathing on her own. She's breathing on her own. She's breathing on her own. And I watched him and then it, 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 it had if he hit him. And he said, I can breathe on my own. 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 This morning I was reminded of it. And I was reminded of the time when I did my surgery in 2019, January, where I could not laugh without having a pillow to hold in my stomach to support me because, I, because of the incisions. Maybe there was something you couldn't do on your own. Getting up this morning when you rolled out of bed, you got up on your own and, and it was something that you took for granted, not recognizing that you did it on your own only because God gave you the possibility to do it. Maybe this morning you find yourself being able to do things that you were unable to do or you thought you were not going to be able to do. But I want this morning for us right where you are to take a minute of your time and to give the Lord thanks for something. Something that you were unable to do. Something that he did for you. Something that you want to highlight and you want to emphasize this morning to him. God, thank you for you don't have to open your mic if you do not desire to do so. But if you if you want to, go ahead and share with us. But if you don't want to stay right where you are and give God thanks for something, maybe you're able to see. Maybe you got a, a diagnosis from the doctor. And, it, and, and, and today, it, 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 the, the reality is that the evidence of what the doctor said is no longer wrong because God did it for you and you can breathe on your own. You can wake up on your own. You can walk on your own. You can see on your own. We take these things for granted many times. And so I ask you, my sisters and brothers, unmute yourselves if you so desire and give the Lord thanks for something that he, you are able to do. Or you can stay right where you are with your phones muted and give him thanks. So I want to go first. I want to thank God for the opportunity to be able to, to, to be used as a vessel for him. I was told as a child that I was dumb. And I had to, I believed it. But this morning, as I prepared to come and share with you, and I was speaking to the Lord, 
I am reminded that it is God who chooses vessels. It is God who makes us not dumb. It is God who gives us opportunity and, and cause the foolish things to seem wise in the eyes of those who look on. And so, Father, I say thank you this morning for the verdict that was, was casted or the verdict that was issued about me. It says, Ava is dumb. But, Lord, this morning you override that verdict. And you see, Ava is a chosen vessel. One who is chosen to bear fruit that lasts so that the Father is glorified. So, Father, thank you for the thing that I've overlooked. I stopped to say thanks this morning. Thank you that I'm able to move when people my age, your persons my age this morning are in wheelchair, crippled in bed. Thank you that I can breathe on my own where persons my age, God, are on life support. Thank you that I can see, I can taste, I can smell, I can hear where persons of my age, Father, are incapacitated because of some illness or the other. Father, I say thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Pastor, as you are speaking, good morning to everybody. As you are speaking, the first thing that came to mind was that I am thankful to the Lord that I can move my left arm freely. I remember, I think it was in 2016, I had a frozen shoulder. To this day, nobody can explain how it happens. But suffice to say, I could barely move my left arm. This is as high as I could raise my arm. Couldn't, couldn't, uh, there's at one point I couldn't even feed myself because his shoulder was almost literally frozen. And now I can lift my hands, I can lift my arm, I can wave it, I can scratch my head, I can put it behind my neck. That I am thankful for as I remember what I went through in that season. Thanks for the opportunity to give thanks, Pastor. You're welcome. Okay. Nobody else wants to go to be unmuted to say it, but I'm praying that right where, where you are, you stopped to give thanks. This morning, I want you to reflect on this question. When you and I criticize someone, is it rooted in genuine concern or is it influenced by your personal biases, jealousy, or frustration with the person. I'll repeat. When you sit in judgment or you sit and speak negatively about someone, is it because you are genuinely concerned about them or is it, is, 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 are your words influenced by the way you see them because you're jealous of them or because you're just downright frustrated with the person? Do you realize that every time we express a negative comment about a fellow believer, we are interfering in their future? Do you realize that every time you express a negative comment about a fellow believer, you are speaking against God's law, 
and passing judgment on it. This morning, as we go through the book of James, James verse 4, verses 11 to 12, actually we should have been going through 17, but 11 to 12 is so loaded that I decided to stop right there. So this morning, as we go through James 4, 11 to 12, I pray that you will garner all that God has in those two small, short passages or verses for you so that you will understand the implication of, our, of what we say and what we do. Recapping from what we have been doing from the month of September, um, James writes, as we recognize, and we have been saying over and over, that the book of James was written to Jewish believers scattered in the diaspora. Throughout the book of James, James kept keeps keep on emphasizing the need for consistency. He said we must consistently align our belief and our behavior. We must consistently align our faith and our works. James says when our faith in God is genuine, we will not just settle for appearing religious. James says when our faith in God is genuine, it is not only about what we look like or what we act like, but it influences the things we do. James says our faith should transform our hearts. So what you believe should shape your heart. It should guide your speech. It should temper your anger. It should foster humility. It should drive your active and obedient response to God's teaching. James 1.19 encourages believers to, to adopt the mindset of humility and contentment in all circumstances. James said, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak and slow to get angry. In essence, James is saying to us believers, talk less and listen more. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. We see from early that James is recognizing that the things that we say influences what we say we believe. James 1 verses 26 highlights the importance of controlling one's speech and the use of language. Mere claims, James says, to religious devotion or spirituality is insufficient if we fail to govern our words and our expressions. James is saying our true faith should manifest in a transformed and disciplined way of speaking. So James, you don't just speak because you have a mouth. You don't speak loosely. You don't speak loosely. You don't speak about persons. You don't speak loosely about things that you do not understand just because you have a mouth. James says failure to control our speech is viewed as self-deception. Because James says when you look in the mirror and you see the thing and you ignore what you see or you say that you believe something yet you do not live it out, James says you are deceiving yourself. You are rendering every religious practice that you, that you do worthless. James 3, 5 to 6, James says the tongue, he starts to describe the tongue in James 3. And he says the tongue, though it is a small part of the body, it makes grace boast. It is, it, it, it is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
James said the tongue had the ability to corrupt the whole, the whole person because it sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself fire by hell. James speaks and he likens the, the, the tongue and he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea can be tamed, but none can tame the tongue of man unless he's been guided by the Holy Spirit. He says the tongue is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. And again, I, I will stop to, to reiterate that what James is saying is that the tongue is not like deadly poison. He's saying it is full of deadly poison. James comes and he, and, 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 he, and, he, and he admonishes and he says, you cannot speak praise and curse at the same time. You cannot worship God and then curse your brother or, or, or slander your brother and sister at the same time. James says that can't happen. So what advice, based off what I just said, would you give to someone who struggles with slandering and gossiping? What advice would you give to yourself? James recognized that the importance of there's an importance, importance is placed upon what we say. James recognized that our desires influences what we say. And so last week we learned from James 4, 1 to 10, that beneath every conflict, fight, quarrel, and war lies a selfish motive, evil desire, and improper intention. James encourages us believers to be introspective. He said, look inside. Look in your heart and see what sways you. In what direction are you inclined to be destructive in your behavior? In what ways are you harboring evil thoughts and, and you are coveting because you are unfulfilled? James 1, 14 to 15 complements James 4, 1 to 2 by emphasizing that temptation arises when our evil desires lure and entices us. As these desires grow, James tells us that they give rise to sinful actions. And when sin reaches maturity in us, it culminates in spiritual death. This progression illustrates the journey from internal desires to destructive outcomes. James tells us that our sense of fulfillment or unfulfillment emerges because we fail to pray to God for what we need. He says, there are two ways, two reasons why you remain unfulfilled. There are two reasons why, you're, why, why you have desires that are unmet. He says, you fail to pray. Not only do you fail to pray, but there are some of us who do pray. But when we pray, we never pray and say, God, give, bless us so that we can be generous. I hear Tashina speaks about the, the paradox of giving and that instead of, instead, of, instead of God being the one who is blessed because we give, she says the paradox remains that we are the ones who receive the blessing when we give. 
So James says to us that we, we do not receive, we do not have, we remain unfulfilled because when we pray, we do not ask the Lord, Lord, be a blessing to me so that I can bless others. We pray, God, bless me so that I can enjoy, so that I can spend more on my pleasures. James underscores that believers who prioritize worldly pursuits over relationship with God are cheating on God and are likened to adulterers. And as a result, become enemies of God. James empathetically declares, it is not possible to maintain friendship with both the world and God simultaneously. He highlights God's opposition to those who are proud, but he, he also highlights God's generosity and blessing and favor and grace to those who are humble. Yesterday I had a conversation with a friend and we were just looking at, looking at how um, pride and humility operates. And once, one time in our lives, it was so easy to identify the thing that would cause us to be proud. Because it would, it would look as if we are boastful and it would look as if we are bragging or it would look as if we are lowering ourselves from a place of wanting someone to see that we are humble. But the closer you get to the Lord and as you grow in maturity, pride takes on a different face. You now have to stop and look at granular things. You now have to stop and itemize and, and, and be specific in the things that, that is happening. James revealed that God guarantees promises to believers who submit to him, resist the enemy. God says, if you submit to God, I'm sorry, James said, if you submit to God and resist the enemy, God guarantees that the enemy will flee. James says, if you draw near to God, the God is, it is, there's a guarantee that God is going to draw near to you. When I saw that and I saw the implication of that, my spirit jumped. It's as if God is saying to you, when you inch nearer to me, I inch nearer to you. James says, when you humble yourself before the Lord, instead of remaining in that place, God says, I, 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 I exalt you. I lift you up. James urges believers, he says, repent, confess, grieve, mourn, wail over your sins before the Lord. This week, we are going to be looking at James 4, verses 11 to 12. And what we'll uncover is that there are consequences, implications, and significance to the words that we speak against fellow believers. From verses 11 to 12, we will observe that the kind of person that James is calling us to be is one who contritely submits because they refrain from speaking ill and passing judgment on others because of the spiritual implications. And so my claim this morning is the kind of person who contritely submits, refrains from speaking ill of others or passing judgment on them. James addresses a common pitfall in our interactions. All of us are guilty of speaking badly or bad-mouthing or slandering or speaking ill of someone. 
And in James, in the verse 11 to 12, James admonishes believers against being critical and judgmental of those who are our brothers and sisters. And he says, brothers and sisters, do not speak ill against each other. If you criticize, slander, or judge each other, then you are criticizing, speaking against, and judging God's law. When you judge the law, you are keeping, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Notice James's logical progression of the impact of bad-mouthing others. James, first he says, when you slander or criticize others, that is equivalent to passing judgment on them. Hmm. I know you didn't know that because I didn't know that before I started looking at the scripture. James said, for every time you slander and criticize someone, you're not just only bad-mouthing them, you are passing judgment. Second, James says, whenever you pass judgment on them, it, it, it is akin or it is likened to criticizing and judging God's law. So James said, okay, when you criticize and slander your brother, you're judging your brother. When you judge your brother, you are judging the law. You are judging God's law. Third, James says, when you judge the law, it means that you are disobeying it and placing yourself in a position to sit in judgment on it. It's as if you're elevating yourself above what God's law is saying. So what is slandering and criticizing? Criticism can be both constructive and destructive. But in this context, James is speaking about the, 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 the destructive elements in, 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 in being critical. James is saying that when you focus on identifying perceived shortcomings, inconsistencies, or errors that others are in need of improvement because it is motivated by your evil intention or your, your need to defame or harm the person's character or reputation, you are criticizing. So this is what criticism is, as I said. Your intention is wrong. Your motive is, is evil. You want to highlight the person's shortcoming and inconsistency, because when you do that, it makes you feel superior. Slandering is the act of bad-mouthing, expressing negative opinions, backbiting, fault-finding, belittling, and speaking evil about someone. Although the information may be true, when we are slanderous and critical of a brother or sister, we are in breach of God's principles and values that promote humility and love. So every time I criticize someone, it's as if I'm saying, oh, that's not me. I, it couldn't be me. I am so much better than that. Every time I am, I am critical of someone's action, I, I am in fact saying to the person that is listening, oh, that's not me. I'm above that. Because look at them, look at them, look at what they are doing. How could they be doing that? Invariably, we criticize and slander others to, to, to appear superior. 
we love to show that so-and-so is not what, who, who, what others think about them. They are not what they appear to be. So you think so-and-so is all that? No. Let me show you who they really are. You think so-and-so is all that? Let me really tell you who they are. No, no, no. We may not initially recognize our motive, but the moment we want to vent or to share something about someone, we, are, we have conjured up the mindset to slander and to, critic, and to be critical of them. Judging is making negative, critical, and harmful assessment of others. And again, this is a violation of God's law. Notice that Jesus did not fame our, our reputation. Remember, Jesus didn't come and he said to, to Ava, Ava, or I didn't come to you and say, let me tell you about the sin that Ava has committed. Let me tell you that who Ava is. Let me show you that Ava is not all that she wants to think, to pretend that she is. Instead, you know what he did? He gave up his rights. And he came and he allowed himself to be spat upon. He allowed himself to be lied upon, lied. He allowed himself to be called names only because he wants to humbly serve you and I. He came to where you and I are, to cover our shame, to love us and to forgive us. So how is criticizing or speaking ill of my brother and sister judgmental? Speaking negatively about another believer can be judgmental for seven reasons. Whenever we criticize or speak ill of someone, our intent is, as I said, is to show superiority. We want to prove to others that we are just not like our brother and sister. We would never have done what they did. This critical stance implies a judgment on the person's character, the person's actions, the person's intentions, the person's behavior, choices, worth, contribution, or shortcoming. Speaking negatively about our brothers and sisters affect four relationships. Listen to this. Whenever I come to you and I come to speak to you about someone, I am directly affecting, impacting, influencing negatively four relationships. Relation, number one, the relationship with myself. When I speak negatively about you, I am, a, I am conveying my critical attitude and it is affecting my well-being my mindset has to be negative to talk negative about you i have to remain in that place of being critical for me to criticize you so here it is i am i am i am affecting me because for every time I say to you, do you know that so-and-so is that and bad and it's all bad, it means that I am still living, I am remaining, I am staying in that place where my well-being, where my emotional health is being affected negatively. Because for to speak negative, I have to think negative. Every time you and I formulate a negative evaluation about someone or make a negative assumption or draw a negative conclusion about someone's character, action or qualities, we are working from personal biases and perspective that may necess not necessarily be the perfect truth about the person, but it is influencing us in a negative way. Number two. Our relationship with others 
or speaking negatively directly affect or relate the relationship with those who hear the negative remarks. So I come to you and you do not know the thing that I'm gonna tell you, or I come to you and you do not know Mary Jane or, or Tom Stroke. But every, when I come to you, what I do when I share the negativity, I influence and shape what you he just heard. I, I, I now present you with biases and perception that you did not have. I now come and I sway your mindset to think the way I want you to think, to form judgment based on information that I just gave you, judgments that are skewed, that you may find, and you may find it difficult after to interact or to engage with the person I just shared with you about. So James so far is saying that relation, so my negative speaking is not just, just to speak negative. It is impacting other things. It's impacting me. It's impacting the person who I'm speaking to. Next, it is impacting the person who I've spoken about. Negative words can hurt our feelings. Which one of us, if we hear people say negative things or someone say negative things about us, does not hurt? Which one of us, if someone came back and said, you know what Tom Stroke said about you or what Mary Jane said about you is so and so and so and so, which one of us would not feel hurt? When you and I speak negative words about persons, we damage the trust that, that they had in us. When you hear what I speak about you, you would never trust me again. It will strain our relationships. It may create distance and hinder open communication, making it challenging to build, restore, or maintain a healthy relationship. Speaking negatively about someone could possibly harm their reputation, defame their character. Speaking negatively about someone could stand in the way of their destiny because if I have a job, or if I need to promote someone or, or if I if I am looking for someone to do something for me and I remember that you told me that Mary Jane is dishonest. Do you think I'm going to consider Mary Jane? No. Do you think I'm going to ever consider Mary Jane to do anything? Even though maybe, and it, and it may be the truth, Mary Jane may have been honest last year, but could it be that Mary Jane is not dishonest this year? Mary Jane may have been so-and-so yesterday, but could it be that God had convicted Mary Jane and Mary Jane is now changing her life towards something? But because I came and shared with you something about Mary Jane, now Mary Jane, an opening that could have been made available to Mary Jane is no longer open because I defamed her character and influenced your mindset. Not only do when we speak negative about others, do we influence our relationship with ourselves or in, in relationship with those who listen and the relationship with, with the person that we spoke about, but it affects our relationship with God. James says, when we pass judgment on a brother or sister, we pass judgment on the law. And you're saying, but God, why, how is that possible? Why is that so? What you and I do when we speak negative about our brothers and sisters, we violate God's law to us. God's law to us in Leviticus 19 verse 18 says, love 
In John 15 verse 12, it is reinforced to love as we have been loved. Romans 13 verse 8 and Galatians 5 verse 14 emphasizes what James is saying in, in, in James 2.8. The royal law urges us to relate to one another by showing love, mercy, forgiveness, understanding, and being humble in our relationship with each other. So what James is saying to us, that when you speak negatively, know for sure that you are not only just speaking because you have a mouth. You are negatively impacting your, your, your relationship with God, your relationship with the person who is listening, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with the person spoken about. When we judge others, we put ourselves in a role reserved only for God. The truth be told, when I thought about this, I said, every time I judge, I am failing to remember the areas in which I can be judged. My feelings, my frailties. James says there's only one lawgiver and judge. And he has the ability to save and to destroy. He has the sole authority to make determination about what is right and wrong. Yet, James says, he's never as quick to judge as we are. <laughs> yeah. Remember, God, the scripture tells us that God is slow to get angry. He's slow where we are quick. Have you been criticizing, slandering, or judging others? How have your criticism contributed to a judgmental atmosphere in your church, here in NLH, in your workplace, or in your home? How have the things that you have been saying about the people that you are associated with and in relationship with affecting the very atmosphere of, the, of, of where you worship, work, or live. When we judge others, we bring division in the church community and in the kingdom of God. Can you believe that? So slandering is bigger than NLH. It actually impacts the kingdom of God. When we judge others, our attitudes and actions contradicts God's principles and values for how his children should live with each other. Because in a family, in the family of God, all members of the family is equal. There is no superior one. There is no inferior one. In the kingdom of God, with the, 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 the songwriter would say, the, 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 at the feet of Jesus, there's a level. It's level at the feet of Jesus. So no one have a upmanship. No one is above one. No one is better than one. No one is, 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 is more this than the other. In the, fifth, in, in the kingdom of God, the family of God, there is equality. And so James says, for every time you will sit in judgment and become critical and slanderous and bad mouth and belittle, you are elevating yourself to a place of superiority because you lack humility. 
you lack the humility to recognize that yes, that may be their flaw, but where is yours? When we judge the law, we disobey it and sit in judgment on it. And if you know me, I'm a I love prepositions. I identify them. I love conjunctions and prepositions because they make sense. Why did they use on it or in it? Or I, I question those things. In and on speaks of position. The phrase sitting in judgment on it emphasizes the superior position we take over others when we are slandering, when we are criticizing, when we are belittling, when we are bad-mouthing, when we are expressing any level of dissatisfaction in them with others. So because we feel superior to others, we criticize. We judge them, we speak evil against them. When their actions do not align or interpret or they are or, or, or align with our interpretation of Christian living, everything is always based off our perspective. So we believe that this is how you're supposed to be. This is the line. And if you do not act in accordingly or do not, you do not align yourself with my thoughts or my understanding or perspective of Christian living, I criticize you, I judge you, I badmouth you, I speak evil against you. When we take the position of superiority, we choose which law to obey and follow and which to rationalize and ignore. Because when we are acting superior, we are forgetting that God's law to us is to love. Never did he ever call us to judge each other. When we feel superior to others, instead of loving them as commanded, we, when they make mistakes, we condemn. Whenever our brothers and sisters' behavior do not measure up with our interpretation of doctrinal standards, we condemn them and we exclude them. And I am not telling you anything that I am not guilty of. Guilty, guilty, guilty as charged. And I said to God, I said, God, woe is me. I, I understand why Isaiah could say, woe is me. I am a man undone. Sitting in judgment on the law is adopting a critical, condemning, and self-righteous position of the judge, revealing our self-righteous stance. So James is saying, for every time you criticize, it shows that you lack humility. Every time you criticize and condemn, it shows that you, you're, you're self-righteous because that couldn't be me. That just couldn't be me. I, I am better than that. Note that when we engage in judgment, we are persistently involved in active disobeying and maintaining a stance of continuous judgment. Notice what James says. James says, when you judge the law, you are keeping it. Notice the verb continuous. James says, when you judge the law, you are keeping it. You are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. James didn't say when you judge the law, you sit. Which could also mean there is one act of doing. James said, no, you are sitting a continuous action out of your one judgment. James said, for every time you judge someone, there is a continuity. 
of the judgment because not only is it affecting you, it's affecting the person, it's affecting the person hearing and it's affecting God. You, you, you realize the, 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 the implication of the multiplication of what's happening every time we speak negative? How many times have you been critical? Because someone told you something about someone and you responded. How many times I remember hearing a story? A lady said to me, she said, I told, I told someone something about that happened to me. And guess what? The person did not know. So let me let me use some names. So I ever go to Mary and I said to Mary, Mary, X, Y, and Z about someone. So I'll say, you did you know that so and did you okay, Mary, did you know that John? Is committing adultery that comes to mind. Do you recognize that when I said that to Mary, what happens? Mary now sees John. And if John touches her on her shoulder, Mary responds because he's an adulterer. He must want to, to quick adultery with me. How many times have the things that we hear from others influence how we re respond to other to them? How many times have you, can you honestly say I have responded to persons based on things that I heard about them without experiencing the things that I heard? One judgment implies an ongoing engagement in the practice and process of making judgment. One judgment implies an ongoing engagement in the practice and process of making judgment. I remember growing up, my mother would say to me, she said, be careful of what you share and with whom you share because every friend have a friend. My, my mother practiced that up to this day, very careful in what she says because she believed that every friend has a friend. And so she believed that anything I'd say to you, you have a friend that is close to your heart that you're going to share it with that friend. And that friend will have a friend that is close to their heart that they will share it with that friend. And you see the ongoing engagement of something that sometimes, though it is true, should not have been spoken. And sometimes it is not true. Expressing negative remarks about others perpetuates a continuous and unbroken cycle of maintaining a judgment stance. In verse 12, James declares, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. Then what he does, he poses a probing question and what he does, he challenges those, his listeners or his readers and he challenges their humility and it's about you. Who are you to judge your neighbor? And I will ask you that as I ask myself, who are you? You, you, Ava, who are you to judge? You, put your name in. Who are you to judge your neighbor? By declaring that God is the only one, one lawgiver and judge, James is underscoring the sovereignty of God as a sole authority in establishing laws and passing judgment. God alone possesses the ultimate authority to judge and determine the fate of an individual. 
He alone, as I said earlier, has the power to save and to destroy. So if God alone has the power and authority, who are we to judge? Where, where did we come into this equation as judge? If God alone has that authority and the power to judge, how come you and I are judging? This is a powerful reminder of the limited scope of human judgment compared to the divine authority of the lawgiver and judge. Yet we are quicker to judge than God is. You and I, who do not have the power and the authority of the lawgiver, criticize and judge and speak ill of others, assuming the role of the judge and passing judgment on others that defame their character and their reputation. James urges believers to reflect on the humility and restraint required when assessing and evaluating others. James says, before you judge, think about what you're going to say. This morning, I caught myself. And what I did, what I was going to say, I, I, just, I, I just changed the very atmosphere in my mind. I said, no, it, is, it was a truth. But how I was going to say it, it would cast a doubt. And I, catch my, I caught myself. So what strategies have you or will you employ that when tempted to criticize and speak negatively about others, you will catch yourself? What strategies do you think you need to put in place? For some of us, we just need to talk less. For some of us, we just need to renew our minds. For some of us, we need to just realize, listen, we do not have, we did, we, we were never given the role to be a judge. For some of us, we need to humble ourselves and stop seeing ourselves as superior to others. For some of us, we need to go to the Lord and repent and say, God, I can't do it on my own. Help me. What self-righteous motives drives your critical attitude? Sometimes we just have to stop and say, is it because I'm jealous? Why I speak negative? Is it because I am fearful? What, what, what is driving me? Why do I want to always be critical? What is, what is the motive behind it? Because remember what James says to us in, in chapter three. He says, everything we do is influenced by one world. The demonic world or the heavenly godly world. The world that is pure or the world that is evil. What negative thought about yourself that drives you to judge others? Because sometimes when we don't so like ourselves and we find so much fault with ourselves, we tend to be critical of others. What lie was told to you? What did you, what were you told by an, by an authority figure, an elder person, a teacher, a parent, a, 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 a family member, a spouse? that cause you to think so little of yourself that you really want to bring others down because that's what criticizing does. Criticizing brings people down to a place where we want to put them. And we don't want people to ever elevate them because just in case that in your eyes, they look all of that, let me clear that up. Let me become that bomb and open your eyes so that you can see that they're not all that they, they are pretending to be. What unmet desire motivates you to badmouth your brother? What is it that you need? 
What desire do you have that is unfulfilled or unmet? Why you feel the need to be critical of others? James reminded us in last week and he said to us, we do not have because we do not ask. Maybe you need to ask God. Maybe you need to go to the Lord and say, God, I need this. Or maybe God is saying you're asking, but you're just asking all because of your pleasure. You're not thinking about anyone else. You're not thinking about sharing. You're not thinking about giving. You're just thinking about me, myself, and I. What gives you the right to stand as judge over someone? Who would tell you? Who told you that you could be a judge? Who told Ava? Ava, who told you that you could stand in judgment of others? James urges us to examine our attitude and behaviors to ensure that we are not falling into the trap of judging others or speaking ill of them. In what ways can you cultivate humility? So that you can avoid negative speech. In what way can you cultivate humility so that you can align your actions and principles with of love and understanding outlined in God's law? Is it easier for you to tear down or to build up? Is it easier for you to edify someone or to criticize them? When last have you gone to the person that you have found the greatest fault in and spend the time to share with them the good thing that you see with them? Or, or are you just overly focused on their negatives? Are we positioning ourselves as judge or are we allowing God's wisdom to guide our interactions? As I close this morning, I I, I, I take on the posture of James and I speak not only to you, but to, to also to myself. Be mindful, let us be mindful of our words. Whenever we are ready to criticize someone, remember God's law of love and say something good and beneficial instead of speaking negative to those who will listen. Whenever you are ready to think bad, about someone or to speak badly about them, remember that you are disobeying God's law and standing in judgment on it. Whenever you are ready to badmouth someone, remember you are defaming their character and altering their destiny because in altering their destiny, we put people, we, we allow people to be in situations where they're socially isolated or we become the barriers, the what we say become the barriers to the opportunities that they could have had. Whenever you are ready to speak ill about someone, remember you are influencing someone's outlook and perspective that they would never have had prior to your conversation or information. Whenever you are about to speak negatively about someone, think about what being critical does to your emotional health. Think about the mindset that you have to have to criticize. Think about the judgmental stance you have to take to criticize. Think about the lack of humility that you have to undertake and the mindset that you have to walk in to be able to stand in judgment of others. James calls you and I this morning and he says to us, do not slander one another. 
He says, if you speak against your brother or judges him, you speak against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it. Actually, you are disobeying it. Because if you're not keeping something, you're disobeying it. But you're sitting, you're sitting in judge and sitting in judgment on it. Remember, you were never given the position. Eva, you were never given the position to be a judge. The one who has the position is able to save and destroy. He's able to build and tear down. Yet his posture is one of love. So who are you? Who are you? Can I tell you who you are? You're the child of the king. You're the one whose mouth is used to build up and never to tear down. You're the one who sees because your eyes are not limited to the visible evidences around you. Your eyes, you can see in the spirit because you have, you are, you embody, you carry the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you're able to see in others what, what others cannot see. James' call this morning is to you and I. And I implore you. Go. Let us build up. Let us catch ourselves. Let us put things in place. Let us say to our friends and our family members and those that we wouldn't normally go to to judge others and criticize, hold me accountable. Whenever I come to criticize, catch me. Tell me. Critical. Just say one word. CR and I will know. Let us put things in place. Because if we don't have things in place, we are going to constantly be in judgment of God. We are going to sit in judgment of God because we will never think that is Lord that he called us to love one another. Jesus says, you know what Jesus says? They will know that you belong to us. Why? To me, why? Just because of love. Never because of how critical we are of each other. The truth is the world will not get saved. You know why? They're afraid of us. Because they hear how we tear down each other. Sometimes we are afraid of, 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 of inviting people into spaces because we're afraid that when they come, somebody's going to destroy them. Somebody's going to say something or do something. But James is calling us to arise. James said, there's more in you than you know. You have the ability to do more than what you are currently doing. So what strategies? will you put in place to ensure that every story you tell is never with the intent of destroying. That every story you tell and every information you pass on is never with the motive of defaming the person's character for them to look bad in the eyes of those you share them with. Father, I never know that James is so loaded. I've done James before. I've taught James before, but God, it never hit me the way this James is hitting me. Like James, the, the, the words change. I even had to go back to my old Bible to see if the wordings are same or it's because of the whole heap of translation and versions. I wanted to see, could it be that I read the same James from that old tattered Bible? Could it be that the words were the same, but God, when I gave, went back to the old Bible, I realized that God, the words were the same. Nothing changed. Someone may just expound a little bit more, but the essence of what was written remains the same. God, 
God, God, God, I cry out to you this morning on behalf, on my behalf and on behalf of everyone listening this morning. Father, Lord James told us last week to repent and grieve and mourn. Turn our joy into sorrow because we are in need of forgiveness. God, we have slandered so many. We have spoken so badly about so many. We have judged so many. We have been critical of so many. And Father God, we have messed up the minds of those who listen. And we sat in judgment of your law. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father God, for, for operating in ignorance. And even in times when we are, we, are, we are aware, but yet we chose to do because, God, we find ourselves in that place or we put ourselves in that place where we want people to know. Because we want everyone to be aware that Mary is not who Mary really pretend to be. Mary is someone else. Mary is not that fabulous as she, be, as she behaves. There is a side to Mary that you need to know and you need to be aware of. So let me tell you about Mary. Father, forgive us when we talk about the Marys in our lives, failing to recognize, Father, that if, if, if the Marys turn and start to talk about us, Father, we would not like it. And even though we may pretend to be that we are strong and yes, and, and, and we speak about water running off our backs and like we are ducks, Lord, the truth is we are penetrated and we are hurt by the things that defame our reputation and our character. Yet, week after week, day after day, we continue to do it to others. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us, Father, Lord, I pray that today to be a true repentance, genuine repentance. Not one, Father, that we hear today and the spiritual injection and we, we move off and by Wednesday we forget and we go back to being the old us. Father, let today the seed that is planted in us today begin a transformation that will mobilize us to being different. God, as James says, faith must show itself in what we do. Faith must show itself in our works. Our beliefs and our behavior must operate in tandem. We can't say one thing and do another thing and think, oh. Father, especially for those of us, those of us who you have chosen to lead and to teach, Father, may our lives represent what we say, that Lord, that when we stand before you, the lawgiver and the judge, we will hear you say, well done. You did not destroy those who I gave you to lead. Well done, you didn't criticize those who I have caused you to interact with. Well done, you did not badmouth those you engage with and you did not influence the minds of those you spoke to by speaking negatively about others. Father, I ask you this morning, this afternoon, that Lord, you will renew within us a right spirit. Creating us, the songwriter said, creating us a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within us, God. God, where we're hurting and we need to be healed, where traumatic situations in our life have left us in a place where we are critical, Lord God, may we come to you this morning, this afternoon, and ask you to heal us, Father, where we are broken. 
may those of us who need prayer today. Share, I need prayer because of so and so. I realize that I am guilty of what is spoken about this morning and I cannot continue in this vein. I need to change. And so I come to the Father this morning and I say, Father, search me. Search me, see if there's any other thing in me that I'm unaware of and bring it to the forefront so that I can seek repentance and confess to you. Father, we just give you thanks this morning. God, James is hot. God, he's hot. So pity that he's so tucked away so far in the back where many will not go because God, he challenges us that we cannot live, continue to live the way we do and think that it's okay. But this morning, Lord, we are called to a higher standard, a standard set by you, a standard that says we need to love. We need to be humble. We need to, to be careful of what we say. We need our faith and our works and our belief and our behavior to work and to be, to be, to be, to be working together. That those who know, we, know us will say, yes, what she says is what she lives. We walk and talk the same thing. The Father of mercy, we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.